Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I'm going to talk some more today about stewarding abundance. I'm going to take a take us on a little journey. I um I woke up this morning feeling fine. Woke up with Jesus on my mind, and it's a song. And he and he, I went to my closet, you know, and I don't have my long sleeve shirts out yet. They're in another little place, and I was looking through my shirts, and he told me to put this shirt on. I know, I know, you probably can't see it, but it says "Wonder" on the sleeve. And I didn't think anything about it until I was just studying, and I was reminded of this kind of obscure story in Judges. In Judges, there's a story about a man named Samson, and Samson was a hunk of a man. (laughs) If I was going to be married, I'd be married to Samson. (laughs) Because he'd have to be strong to keep up with me. Women, let's don't be ashamed of our strength. A real man's not. Um, and, and I was thinking about this story, and, and I, so I opened up my Bible, and I was looking at it, and let me just read you what I saw. It's in Judges 14. It's such a weird story. Don't you like the weird stories? Anybody like the weird stories of the Bible? I love the weird stories of the Bible because I'm just like, oh, I want that to happen to me just like that. So Samson was had a huge weakness, but let's don't focus on that today. It was women. That was his huge weakness, but we're not going to focus on that today. I want to focus on this interesting thing that happened to him. He in, Sam, in Judges 14, did I tell you where it was? It says, Samson went down to this town, and there was a woman there. And, of course, what did he think? I need her. And so he told his mom and dad, hey, get her. That's what he told his mom and dad, basically. <laughs> this, is my, this is the message version of it, okay? <laughs> and this is what it says in verse 4. His father and mother had no idea God was behind this. Verse 5, it says, Samson went down with his father and mother. mother, And listen to this. When he got to the vineyard, a young lion came at him roaring, and the Spirit of God came on him, and he ripped it open with his bare hand. And he didn't tell anybody he did this. Next verse. He went down, talked to this woman, And this Samson said, she's the one. The very next verse, now we don't know how much time passed, but it doesn't sound like a lot of time to me. This is what it says. A few days later, he came back to get her, and he made a little detour to look at what was left of the lion. And there a wonder. That's the title of my message today. And there a wonder. That's cool. Did you not get it? Oh, no, no, that's just a hand. That's a golf clap now. And there a wonder, a swarm of bees in the lion's carcass, and they had produced honey. How long does it take a bee to produce a honeycomb? Five minutes? This is a few days. I don't know if you can see the miracle, right? Already a miracle going on. And it says... And he scooped it with his hands, and he kept going, eating it as he went. 
So I propose to you today that word right there, God's assignment is meant for me to discover his strength, not my own. You never know what God's going to produce from a battle that you've been in. I hope it's enough for you to say, and there's a wonder. Because you don't, what you don't understand about God is that He is creating experiences and opportunities to display what you're not. So you will know He wants to display Him through you. And I love this story because the Spirit of God came on, on him and he just tore up this lion, but then he was so curious. Why was he curious? Are you ever curious to go back to a battle you face and see what God did there? It might be honey in the rock. Because there, there's a wonder right there. You want some signs and wonders? Go back and look at the battles you faced. You know, part of this series that I'm doing has got these three parts. Let's see, well, you can put the next one up. It's these three parts, the resources of abundance, the favor and adversity. Did you know adversity was one of God's abundances? You know, when I was thinking about this today, and of course, authority, we're going to talk about that too. I was thinking about this today, and I remember this little snippet from Bill, and I wanted to play it. It's just two minutes long. And it sets up for a theological change for you today. Yes. You know, I was raised um, to believe that the rapture was going to occur, and those Left Behind movies, you know, and you didn't know. Like, you, you weren't sure if you could, were going to go. Because you could have just had one bad thought. Anybody else raised with that stupid theology, get me out of here. And there's a lot of ministries today that have reshaped it and repackaged it. But at the end of the day, it sets us up that when horrible things happen, let him tell it to you, can you? So I was going to play this little clip for us. Two minutes. He's telling the story. Let me just set it up before I forgot. He's telling the story of when the children of Israel came out and they went to go look at the promised land and Caleb's talking and he's basically saying, we can do this, we can do this thing, right? So he's, he's picking up there. The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. He's, he's giving them another chance. I want you to be impressed with the size of the promise. You can forsake the lie you've been fed. You've been feeding your soul on something inferior. And I want to declare to you truth once again, because I'm going to give you a chance to forsake what has soothed your soul. It's strange to me, but, but we have sometimes have this bent to encourage ourselves with bad news. I, I know that doesn't sound right, but, but listen to me. If you've been raised in a religious culture, Christian culture, that things are going to get worse and worse, then bad news is just an affirmation we're in the last days. And there's this weird comfort we get from knowing Jesus could come back at any time. Now that's the blessed hope and absolutely need to keep that rock solid. But he's returning for a bride, not a jigsaw puzzle of a bride. He 
he's not he's not returning for something he has to put back, you know put together when he gets gets her home to heaven. A friend of mine used to say, he's coming back for a bride right now. She's got her hair up in rollers, so I don't know how that. <laughs> she, she, she's not quite. Okay, so here's our focus. His abundance is for equipping. Equipping you what? It says in Revelations, the bride made herself ready. See, that's that's that old theology took out the need for the bride to equip herself. It just did. I'm telling you, I lived in it for years. And and it always set every prophecy, every word from God, every instruction came through the filter of that theology. And some of y'all have it in here. I can hear it in the way that you see how God is maturing you and disciplining you and inviting you into abundance. You have small mindsets and you have lies and triggers and things that tell me you have that theology. Just get me out of here. And see, part of that, part of the problem with that is that we didn't talk enough about what it would take to equip the bride. It sounded good, right? And we didn't have a whole lot of models. And so when the resources of God came, they were too weighty. Let me ask you, I know you don't know the answer to this, okay? But if God gave you a million dollars today, would you be able to steward it? Because stewardship, think about just the tithe on a million dollars. What would that be? Yeah, I know. She gives a different amount. Whatever number you've decided to pick, you know, some of y'all have picked 10. We've picked a different number, but just the 10 is $100,000. Think about right now giving away 100000 See, that's the part you've got to get. That's it. That's See, we want abundance, but the stewardship of it is that there always has to be an outflow out of my life. And see, that's the greatest lie of the enemy. That's what the previous church did. They, they made us feel like that if I gave, they would do something with it I wouldn't agree with. And that's just not your part. Exactly. And see, every time that I get into judgment, I miss the abundance of God. I just miss it. It's, it's all laying out there. Now, I, I've spent, been spending weeks on this, but I was thinking this morning as we were going to launch into this, because it's quite lengthy, I was thinking about this. Scripture in Hosea, a couple of obscure scriptures today. But in Hosea, do you know the story of Hosea, anybody? It's really the story of Jesus, of our Redeemer. And in the story of Hosea, he God um, basically had him love a prostitute. And we are the prostitute. We were. We were running around trying to get love. From all the wrong places. Can you admit that at all? Not yet? Okay, well, you were. You may still be. And we're trying to get something from people that only God could supply. That's prostituting. That's when there's an abundance of what God wants to pour out. And so it says in Hosea 3, it said this. It says, um, 
it's it's a very complex story, but he's talking about proving to them how they, you know, couldn't do it without him. And it says this, in the same way, the people of Israel will go for a long time without having a king or a prince of their own, without having any altars or sacred pillars, and without having any way of divining answers through investment or images. It says, afterwards. So that first chapter um, verse I just read, that's where we are today. We're all trying to do it. The world's trying to do it without God. That's what the book of Hosea is about. Okay, simply put. This is what it said. After they've done all that, they're doing it right now. Do we agree? Yeah. So there's going to be a moment, maybe your moment today, where you're like, well, I've tried to do it all without God. This is what it says. Afterward, once their devotion is renewed, they'll return with genuinely wor- and genuinely worship their eternal, their God. And they'll end their, re- their rebellion. And it says, in those days, they'll come trembling to the eternal one, and rediscover his goodness. What is his goodness? His abundance. He never quit being good. So that means his abundance has never ended. But being a good God, he can't give us abundance in our prostituted state. Because we'll just use all the resources for us. Are you with me at all? We'll just use all the resources for what we decide they're for. And so, if you think about it, as we're venturing on with this discussion, I, I, I was thinking today about how can I help you identify this abundance of God? To me, you know... I, I went through and picked out, I think, 15 that I could think of that I spent time with the Holy Spirit. There's, they're innumerable, right? What is the greatest abundance, in your opinion, around here at One Life? It's His presence. Why? Um, we can pass out those out. I made y'all a little handout. Why is His presence so important? Did you know that when Moses was coming out of Egypt and he was looking at the promised land, God said, well, you can go ahead and go. And remember what Moses said? If is your presence not going to go, I'm not going to, I'm not going. Are you talking to God like that? Or are you going? Because if you're not going, I'm not going. How many things do we do that we don't even think about his presence? Do you go to work every day and think about his presence? Because it, because I would be saying, well, if you're not going to go, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do this thing, right? And so you have to begin to identify as presence people. If you want to know what to identify as, you need a new identity today. It's time to identify as presence people. You may not be good at it. That's my favorite line. You can use that anytime you want. We have a desire, what God promises and prophesies to us, that we're not good at yet. That inadvertently or on purpose moves you into a transitional state. I've been here with billions of people, it feels like. They can't do the old thing anymore. Because they were sick anyway. 
Remember when you were sick? It was cruddy anyway. But it takes a lot of courage to do the new thing without knowing how to do the new thing. And see, if you understand how God works, if you'll try the new thing, you'll create an object for him to shape. The worst thing you can do is, well, I don't want to try that because it failed in the past. I don't want to do that because I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that because of this. I don't want to. You know what that is? That's just an excuse maker. It's like a label maker. They just keep coming out, keep coming out, keep coming out. Because the standards of God's and the ways of God and what God is doing now is not some person's made up view. I didn't write he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh and then repeat it again many places in the Bible. I didn't write that. I'm just in it. I'm just living in it. I don't even really feel like I did a whole lot of things to live in it except for I just yielded a lot. I just said yes to a lot of things, like I said Wednesday, to learn to walk with God. You say yes to a lot of things you don't understand. And so because of all this resources, I put this scripture on there. Put your name there. Oh, what's your name? Oh, Tisha. Guard and keep safe the deposit of godly truth. You may not like the truth I'm giving you today, but I'm giving you godly truth today. You may not like it tomorrow when it comes and there's a battle to be tested on what you heard today, but it's coming. It's coming. Truth entrusted to you. Think about that. If you're hearing me today, you're hearing truth that God decided today you were ready to hear. He trusts you. He trusts you to hear this truth you're hearing today. Again, I hope I say something you never thought of before because that will prove that you're not good at it. See, he's wanting you to be more impressed with what he can do than what you can do. If you're impressed in what, what you can do, what's going to get bigger and bigger? It's an E word with three little letters. has an O at the end and a G in the middle. Have you ever had an ego and didn't know it? If anyone ever tells you, listen, my ego's in the way, believe them. It's in the way. So don't talk to them about anything else but their ego. Because they're not going to hear anything else because they're telling you. Even Oprah said, if somebody tells you who they are. (laughs) Keep it safe. Guard it and keep it safe. Guard it and keep it safe. What do you have to keep it safe from? Maybe you know somebody that questions your faith. Well, why would you tell them anything that's going on with you? You know, you got to gather, especially when you're young in the Lord, you got to gather, you got to gather around yourself a bunch of support. Right? Now, me, you know, I have a lot of people say things against me. How many do y'all have that do that? You have. 10, 20, 30, 40. That, what happens as you grow and mature, you get to where you don't care. 
You don't care that someone doesn't agree with you. You only care if you're obedient. That's why I said Wednesday. That's why I told, I told Judy after church. I said, the one thing you have to ask yourself, did I obey? That's an easy question. Did I obey? Did I make up something and call it God that was really soothing my soul? And see, I hope as you read these resources, you'll realize, are you even managing God's resources at all? Are they even on your grid at all? These resources are everything He gives for you to live this life. I propose we create resources out of worldly things and we we actually act like it's God's blessing. That makes me nervous for you. That's called an idol. I've put something up above him and I tell him thanks for it when it's really sucking the life out of me and moving me further and further and further away from God. Those can't be both. Everything he provides move you closer to him. Closer and closer and closer. Listen, the, at the end of the day, the only thing that he's going to bless is what you did for him. What you did, that it was your destiny to do. All that other made-up stuff, you're not going to get rewarded for that. And God's a rewarder. I'm just helping you. I know you don't like it, but it's okay. It says, turn away from worldly and godless chatter. So I wrote this word the other day. This is what it says. The title of it is noise. There's a lot of noise outside my voice. Noise about priorities, concerns, threats, and treaties. But my voice is like a cylinder focused on an exchange of love between me and you. The clattering sounds of the noisy fears beckon you to turn, pull on you to stop your pursuit of me, alarming you and harassing you of concerns of yesterday, of limits for tomorrow. But stop. Stop and listen. Listen for me. Tune your ear anew. Tune to me. I am the one with the voice you need. I am the one with the answers you seek. I am the one with the connection you're looking for. I am the one that stops the noise. Noise has a tempo. It wants you to pursue a pace of intimidation and a cadence of fear, but make no mistake, the noise will twist your priorities will make evil good and good evil. Noise will stunt you, pressure you, and distort me. But my voice, you were made for. My voice brings your heart to attention. My voice calms every storm and prepares you for battle. My voice destroys the narrative of the noise and returns you to restoration. My voice will resound above all else when you simply pause the noise. So that's what he's asking of us today. He's asking us to set aside all of the ways that we've created this life. You know, especially if we have little kids, if we have children, spiritual children, natural children, they are looking to you to lead them into his presence, not lead them to work, not lead them to school, not lead them to some other way, not leading them to fun, but leading them into the presence of God. Because when they're old, they won't depart if they knew. 
Think about your life. You're old. <laughs> Durr. Some of you. Those of you who didn't know, I know the battle, Cece. She didn't know God growing up. She wished she'd had a mom and a dad to take her to church and train her in the ways of God. But instead, they were busy at work, busy adventuring. And so then at 39, she's in a war for peace. And trust me, I know if somebody hadn't come along and demonstrated peace to her, Day after day, I know how much time I've spent with her. She has these amazing words. She gave one to the artist detox yesterday, but I know the war that she's in, and that wasn't God's intention. God didn't intend for her to live in a war. He intended her to speak his words. But there was a whole life that got displayed to her that his words were bad from the moment she was five. And you know, you can't just give them a little taste of the presence once a month. It's got to be immersed into your lifestyle. Don't seek wisdom or counsel from someone that says you don't need his presence because they're lying to you. And God's spirit is like a hose and it is going to blow on you and you're going to be in torment and you're going to be in intimidation until you yield. Because what is he doing? He's inviting us into the presence of God to what? Display him. And I am not ashamed to say that you can never give him too much. You can never have too much God. You can never have too much presence. You can never have too much commitment because that's what he's calling us to. And there's been a whole generation that nobody arrived at church nobody sat in the pew anymore and we all made fun of the pastor and we all were mad that he made money and what happened it caused us to separate ourselves from his presence and I know today he's saying it's enough don't sit in this room and be a skeptic don't sit in this room and walk out that door and be judgmental because he's pouring out his presence it's not anything you did You can't work for it. You can't read enough. You can't pray enough. It's what the move of God is doing right now on the earth. And it's happening everywhere from China to Alaska. It's happening. And he's inviting us to what? To father and mother a generation that never sat in the pew. A generation that doesn't know their butts from their nose. A generation that doesn't know what their identity is, doesn't know who they are. I would never sit and let someone train my child that didn't know the king. And see, this is that generation, that generation where people are going to say enough is enough. You know, when God called me to minister, he said, people have been giving me a bad name. People have made theologies out of scaring people to death about the great rapture about the end times and he said it's time for someone to stand up and say i'm love i am love i am love it's who he is you could not love or even manufacture the thing you're calling love if it wasn't for god and he's calling us into a lifestyle that says i am unashamed Who can say, I am unashamed at what he's called me to do. I am unashamed. 
And I hope I'm stepping on your toes because I hope the Holy Spirit can get in there past your soul, past all the stuff that you're skeptical about and judgmental about and say, it's time. It's time to be committed. It's time to guard what he's doing. Listen, especially whenever the enemy comes in and he wreaks offense and judgment. You know, Cece and I spent way too long working on the artist detox little smocks we made them just for me to miss one. But who did I miss? I missed the girl who comes pre-rejected. Just to let her know where she's at. Just to let her know where she's at. Just to know she's, she won. She won yesterday because it didn't bother her. I know 10 years ago it would have bothered her. Because why? I mean, you know, I had a melon helping me. But see, what God allows us, the lion you face today, if you stop to see the wonder, if you go back by, there'll be honey in the battle. You'll just be able to scoop it up, enough to scoop up and eat, enough to share. He just went by to see if a wonder had happened. Once we get over stuff, we're like, I'm never going back there. Just go by. Yes. Turn away from worldly and godless chatter with its profane, empty words. Listen, this is, this is a travesty to me that God pours out so much and we act like we're in lack. Listen, everything, I read it in Acts, everything you need to live and breathe comes from Him. He made this body. He made this breath. He made your ability to do anything you think you need to do with your time. So why wouldn't I honor Him with what He gave me? That's the true measure of stewardship. Did you know God is measuring you today with how well you stirred? You can act like you can avoid it. You can find people to tell you, you don't have to do it that way. We had a great precursor a week ago. I gave someone a challenge in here openly. I like to be open. I like for you to tell your story. And she literally had someone with the smallness of mind, I keep hounding on it, to say, you can do it another way. And I'm telling you, that is what's happening over and over and over in your life. When you choose to do something that God says to do, and you know in your heart, whether you said yes, own your choice. And someone comes along and says, oh, you don't need to do it that way. I always always say, well, why wouldn't I do it God's way? What made you the one to decide for me I should do it another way? Just the fact that I'm getting counsel to figure out if I'm doing it tells me I'm already missing it. Because I know. Listen, you know. You're mostly all adults in here. You know. 
It says, in the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Is that what I'm talking about today or what? You know, I had a, I've tell the story a lot. I had a lady came here one time. She was wanting to go to school to be a nurse. And she told me this with her mouth. When I don't feel like going, and you know, what happens when you don't go to school? In her mind, she knew I'm not going to pass and I'm not going to get my nursing license. But when in my mind, I know I don't want to go, I call my mom and my mom says, oh, baby, you can miss today. You can make it up tomorrow. I mean, she literally knew this process in her life. It was set up as a structure, as a system of whether she passed or failed, whether she's successful or not. But she says, if I know, I need to go. And I need a butt kicker. So I told the art people, are you a butt kicker? Can you kick your own butt? She'd call her sister. And what would her sister say? Who was already a nurse. She said it in language she would understand. The language of her soul was, oh, baby, you don't have to go. But the language of what she desired, of what was, the promise was out there, was get your butt out of bed and go to school. See, we don't, a lot of y'all don't have that. You don't have no butt kickers in your life. And you don't have any needs. You don't need anybody. Right? You just set aside all your needs. You've, you've whittled your life down to where you act like you don't need anything. Which is a joke. Because you need to breathe, right? Have you almost not breathed once? Anybody almost drowned? Anybody ever almost drowned? That's a scary moment. You're kicking and screaming then, aren't you? You're like, ah. That's how we live. When we live without the knowledge of abundance, without the stewardship in my mind, without the, the, the goal in my mind says, I got to manage this well. And when I choose to do that, what does he do? He says, well, I got tons more. Yes. I got tons more where that came from. Listen, I want to encourage you. Is this a good butt kicking message today? I want to encourage you to kick your own butt a little bit. Because like right there, you have a free handout. You didn't work on it. You didn't get all those scriptures. And maybe you could come prepared on Wednesday night for us to actually discuss them. It was so much better when you come into something saying, I need this. I want to be prepared. I want to know what we're talking about. And to be able to receive what the Holy Spirit's trying to pour out. Because listen, this, this is the truth. That you can only fulfill to success what God called you to do. You can create a bunch of other objectives in life that you made. And the indicator is, I always like to ask people, well, how's that working for you? Do you have peace? Do you have abundance? Because see, everything that God's called us to do, He would provide abundance for it. Yes. That's the indicator of whether I'm in it or not. Right? Yeah. Listen, I'm in it to win it. Yeah. What's winning it to me? That the bride prepares herself. Yes. You need preparation. Yeah. 
Right? Right? And just think about it. In my lifetime, the people who want to prepare themselves keeps multiplying. There's always going to be those that sit on the sidelines and say, that's too much. You're expecting too much. There's always going to be, listen to me, there's always going to be that. If God, if Jesus was standing right here with his reward in his hand, you would all get a different amount. That's just, that's in the book. I didn't make that up. It is true. And I say, I want to do it his way to receive what he said I would receive. And he said, you can test him on it. It's not just about finances. Some of y'all wouldn't be inconvenienced if whatever. Some of us don't want to be inconvenienced. We're already inconvenienced with ourselves. But the reality is that's what God's calling us to. And it's just going to get more and more and more intense. More and more. Why? Because he said the time is drawing short. The harvest is plentiful. People need instruction givers. It's like I prophesied over Shooty. Just think about it. I know some of y'all have really tasted of Shooty's fruit. It's delicious fruit. It's the, the encounters you have in service, the encounters, they come from someone who cultivated fruit. Your fruit's not for you. Are you picking your own fruit? Stop it. Your fruit's not for you. That's the only thing you said we could judge them. You'll know them, know them who? Real believers by their fruit. And when you don't have any fruit, it's proof you haven't been with the king. Come on, Cece. Oh, so good. So good. I don't know if we'll ever be able to advance past stewarding his abundance on the topic of his presence because we could be on that forever and a day and it'd be a delicious delicious um you know i heard the holy spirit say something last um wednesday that i want to share with you just a one-liner i'm hoping to develop it that will develop it into a song but since we don't have that yet i will just give you the gem okay the gem But before I do, there is something about the Holy Spirit's incredible goodness and fathering that as he is, he he talks from both sides of things, like he addresses what's on his heart from every side, every angle. He does it in this mysterious, simultaneous way. You know, so as Tisa is um, challenging us with this message and um, entreating us to recognize the value of his presence. He's simultaneously saying what he will do with his presence if you will turn and look aside at him. He is our the greatest, most valuable abundance that he has provided us is his presence. It's his beauty. It's his glory. It's everything. It's him. It's his face. It's right there before us right there before us. Oh gosh, there's so much I'm, I'm activated to go on so many tangents, but, um, (laughs) yes. Oh Lord. It's, you know, okay. I'm just going to say this one thing. When Tisa talks about that, that God's been given a bad name and that's what he was calling her into ministry to, 
to correct that. There's this thing that when I first hear that, I think about the bad things that are said about God. But there's this also this um, brewing side of that where people have said things that sound good about God, but they're not actually accurate about his nature. So they've given him a bad name by saying things that aren't true about him and creating false expectations. And so, for example, just to have a, a little, if, if Tisa got up here and told you all that I was a gourmet chef and said, man, you just should come and eat at her house because she is a gourmet chef, then when you came to my house, you would be sorely disappointed because <laughs> I am not a gourmet chef. That's not my thing. I might be able to whip something up a little for you so you'd had some food, but it's not going to be a gourmet meal. That is also giving God a bad name. And so one of the things that I know the Holy Spirit is on right now that he's undoing is that thing that Christians in name only that Tisa mentioned. There are things that have been attributed to God and to Christianity and churches that about what love is supposed to look like. And then people come and they think that's what it's going to look like. And then they say, well, they're not accurate. They're not really Christians if they don't love me like this. This way that I interpret it as being what love would feel like or look like for me, they're not doing it, so I'll leave and go somewhere else. And then eventually they never find that thing. So then they're disappointed and they say, well, God's not actually real and his promises aren't real and he's not all of that. And so I know that, you know, I even have this sense that there may be reports go out in the world in the coming years over a period of time that there's a, I'm, I'm not prophesying this, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if there are numbers that say that Christianity has declined in some way because he is shaking the, the Christian religion and he is identifying those who are not really Christians, you know, according to his true heart and those who are and so I would rather the church be shaken and us have an authentic, authentic bride available for people, authentic bride for his sake. Even if it looks smaller or has smaller numbers, it would be better to be whole and true and authentic. And so that is something that, you know, the, the God will work that out for you. I have, I have, even though I wasn't even raised in church, I wasn't raised in religion, there are aspects of our culture that just get on us, okay? It left me with an impression that on my journey, I've discovered, oh, well, I, I had an expectation. I thought it was going to be this way. Turns out it's this other way. But you know what? If you stay with him in the journey, you find out that it's really love. You find out that it really is true. His promise is true. My definition of it was wrong. And so this, it occurs to me that when we talk about stewarding abundance and all of these things that are listed on our handout that Tisa gave today, there are, um, there's a lot for us to steward. And we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about how to steward this, how to steward that, and all of these things that we need to go out and make sure we're doing properly. But if we just got the first one right, we, he would teach us along the way. If we stewarded his presence... Well, he would teach us. He would teach us everything we need to know because of, of how what it does when we just behold him. So I wrote this little um, word the other day, Yeshua, 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 our hope and saving grace, your beauty, your beauty, just that, your beauty, 
It's really that simple, and it's truly that easy. Our hope, our salvation from every trouble is found in your beauty, in the awe and wonder of your astounding, captivating, mesmerizing beauty. Your glory causes all other things to fall away as if they never really held any weight. Every thought, every trouble, every concern falls like ash beneath the glowing embers of your glory. That was just my introduction to the word that I um, shared with the art art detox um, yesterday. Um, and I'm still undecided if I'm going to read that right now or not. But let me just tell you the picture was that his beauty, when you just turn and look at him, actually extends to us a pathway that we can partner with. And it's on that pathway that he unravels all of those things, those untruths, all those false expectations, all of those things that need to be undone are unraveled by just beholding him. It's in the awe and the wonder, okay? It's in the awe and the wonder. It doesn't matter if you're doing a million other things right. You will trip up eventually if you don't have the awe and the wonder of God properly valued in your life. Just looking at him, just adoring him, just letting his beauty soak in and saturate you. You know, it's that thing I, I think in a, in a natural analogy, if you grew up in a home that an ethnic home and they cook an ethnic cuisine with different spices and all of that, then you are permeated. That home is permeated with the, the scent of those, those spices and you go out somewhere else, you can't just stay, if you want to change that scent, you can't just spend nine hours, nine out of 10 hours in that, and only one hour in this other atmosphere. Where you came from will still permeate you and is saturated in, in you. You can't just go hear about it. You've got to be saturated. You've got to soak in it. You've got to be be captivated by it and let it consume you. That is what starts to change you. More of the freedom that I've that I have um, found in my journey has come not through logic, not through understanding, not even through a direct words spoken to me, but it's through discovery. It's through discovery. And the discovery always starts by just seeing him and recognizing him and turning aside to see him. The way I was raised, and I think the world and religion teaches is that, all of these other resources of abundance that God has provided, that you, um, it's so on you to steward them properly that you don't have enough time to steward his presence well. You know, they, I had to really struggle with individual decisions in my journey to say, I mean, I'm convinced that this other thing is more important. And if I take my hands off that or reduce the number of hours I spend on that, then it will be lost and I will have done, I will have even grieved God because I didn't steward this thing well. And this is needed. I mean, there's just a million arguments for why this was more important than just spending time in his presence, being saturated in his presence, having my, my child, my responsibility enveloped into his presence, hearing about his presence. All of it is more important. His presence is more important than all of it. So here's the, here's the line that he gave me um, last Wednesday was I win wars with wonder. 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 
the wars that you feel in, that when we get into a war in our soul and our with our families or relationships, whatever it is, we tend to turn and look at that thing because it's what's on fire. It's what's on fire. So we're like, oh, I got to look at it more. I got to identify it. I got to figure it out. I've got to figure out where it came in. I got to figure out what the exact lie is. That's a war. He wins those wars with wonder about himself. I win wars with wonder. We would, we would process through those battles and those times of adversity so much faster if we would make that our first thing that we turn to is, his, is the awe and wonder of who he is. And whatever it takes to get you there, if you have to listen to a song and have it on repeat, I've had a song on repeat for days. Literally, I'm having it playing at night when I go to bed. I have my little HomePod, turn it off after 30 minutes or so because it would just repeat all night and I'd be fine with that. But I'm soaking in that. If When I feel him on that, I just squeeze it for all it's worth. I just squeeze it for all it's worth to keep my attention on the wonder of his beauty. And so I think I'll just leave that with leave it there for today. But I just want to encourage you and let you know he wins wars with wonder. Let that be a line that changes how you process things, changes how you live out your moments of this very real life when we have things happen in life. I win wars with wonder. So whatever's going on in the news you might be hearing, whatever's going on in Israel, whatever's going on in the world, there is a war going on. It's a real war that's going on in the world. He wins wars with wonder. Whether it's a personal war or a war in the city, a war in the nation, in another country, whatever the war is, I win wars with wonder. It's the wonder and awe of God that wins wars. So, Papa, I just want to say thank you today. I thank you that you are so eager to share these nuggets, these secrets with us that that just do a quick shifting of getting our attention to the right place. You just shift our posture with you so easily when we just tune to what you say. And so, Papa, I pray that this line, I win wars with wonder, would be um, an anchor for people, that it would be a new tool in their hand, that it would just reverberate in their spirit, that they would hear it in their dreams, that they would maybe see it written somewhere, hear a song differently than they ever heard before, hear and see your scripture in a brand new way to, to identify the power of the awe and wonder of your presence. How fortunate are we? How fortunate are we? We are so incredibly blessed that we have a God that wants to come near. All the little G's make you do something just to receive a benefit from them, but you come near. You come near us and you draw closer to us. How incredibly, incredibly blessed are we? So Papa, I pray that that you would just convict people in a brand new way to begin to uh, steward your presence the fact that you are releasing your glory, that you your glory reaches out to us. Your beauty reaches out to us. You aren't a faraway God who's high and lifted up waiting to just be adored from afar, but you extend yourself. You bow to reach to us. You pour yourself out. You shine your, your light, the light of your countenance on us so that we could receive the benefit of your presence. So I, I pray that we would have a new reverence for the abundance of your presence that you have given us. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. We will say thank you with our dying breath. Thank you for for your presence. Thank you for who you are. 
that you are so generous with who you are. You are so generous with who you are. You don't hold anything back. You are so generous with who you are. If we just say that we value, we value who you are. We value what you look like. We value what you're saying. We value what you feel like to us. We value the way you're speaking in this moment. I value it not because I understand it and I know what to do with it, just because you're speaking it, just because I trust and I know that it's a seed that's planted in me and it's going to grow and develop and it's a golden, glorious, beautiful seed of words spoken by Elohim, by Yahweh. Oh, Papa, help us to help us to turn off the other noises, to turn our attention away from the other noises, to let go of all the, the rules and the training and the rigorous discipline that says that something else is more important than you. Shine a light on whatever you have to, Papa. Shine a light in our lives personally. Make it personal for each person so that we can see the places where we've, we've elevated something else above just your sim the simplicity of being with you and turning our attention on you. We thank you, Papa. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you that you're pursuing us. Your love pursues us and takes us gently by the chin and turns our attention to what we need to because you're so, so, so good, and your love is pursuing us relentlessly. So we love you today. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father God. We glorify you in everything with all that we are and every breath that we have. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay